The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's do it. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to a Victory Monday edition of the Out of Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Stagner here with Ryan Cobb Jr. as always, celebrating a pretty nice win for the Chiefs yesterday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 42-21, to in a game that uh, started off slow and, and, and finished strong. Maybe a microcosm for the Chiefs season in a lot of ways. Ron, what do you think? Yeah, man. Uh, I was at the game. As you can tell, my let's do it was a little weak, I, I will admit, on uh, on the intro here. But, uh, yeah, I, it was it was a fun game to be at after the uh, the, the first quarter ended. Um, I will say it was kind of fun to see the Steelers fans get their hopes up because they travel well, right, and there's plenty of them around us. And, man, they were feeling themselves in the first quarter. They really were. It was, it was funny. And, uh, you know, it was nice to see the Chiefs be the Chiefs. It seemed like that was kind of the, the vintage Chiefs. Somehow it seems like we haven't seen that in a while. Um, it, it, it maybe even have been a few years since we've really seen that offensive attack. It reminds us of, of the Texans game, right? It was it was very similar, um, but even crazier. It was an even crazier stretch of scoring. So yeah, it was a it was a fun game for sure. It was a kind of a fun way to kick off this this playoff run. Yeah, what's the biggest difference between the Texans comeback and this game against the Steelers is the fact that the Texans actually scored some points there, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like that's that's the main difference. Uh, yes. You know, in, in some ways, you know, we'll talk about this. And we got some good questions uh, from you all on Twitter, uh, especially about the slow start. I think everybody noticed that and, and everybody was concerned about it. Uh, Thomas Ramirez, we'll just start off with his question, um, is one thing I saw. I hope it doesn't happen again. Is that slow start on offense? So what do you think was contributing to that, Ron? What 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 happened early in that game? Were they just sleepwalking? Like, what what, what was going on there? Yeah, you know, Mahomes really said it after the game. He 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 was not happy with how they came out energy-wise on offense. And I think you could see it, you know, that first drive, it was I think it was second and five, and they throw a screen pass to Hardman, but Pringle misses his block, and then it's a five-yard loss, and then they're in a third and long. And then, you know, other times it just seemed like it really was lack of execution, you know, whether it was, you know, Travis Kelsey not getting off a, a route and, and creating separation or or just the, you know, the it seemed like the line, you know, the line had some trouble with that pass rush. They had it the whole game, but I think at first it was really affecting Mahomes more than it did the rest of the game. But yeah, my main thing with that too is just you can get away with that. You just mentioned it. You can get away with that against the Steelers when their offense literally scored zero points until the game was over. Uh, their defense, you know, that TJ Watt fumble six was their only points. I just, I'm, I'm not confident you look at the rest of the AFC field, if that game, if that same game happens again in terms of starting out, I know they can do what they did against the Texans down 24 nothing and come back that quick, but man, there, there's a lot of good teams in this. I, I really like the other three teams. I really think they all three have, have, have pretty good shots at, at being, you know, taking the Chiefs down maybe. So I, I really don't, I really don't want to see that start again. They really cannot repeat that. I, I'm hoping it's just the start of the playoffs kind of thing. And that they got that out of the way, and now we're now we're going to be rolling, right? I really hope that's the case. Yeah, our, our guy BK Brendan Kylie uh, tweeted out that that game or that segment looked like vintage Chiefs. They played dead for about fifteen minutes, and then boom, it was explosive plays all over the place. And that that was one thing that that I was really excited to see is just the the fact that the big plays were back. That it wasn't you know, this Chiefs team this year that had to grind out the, those long drives as much. Uh, you, you, Mahomes was hitting on big passes. He had five different receivers with a 20-yard or more reception this week. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a game where 
you know, they were they were taking what the, the defense gave them. They ran the ball relatively effectively. But as soon as they woke up, as soon as that, that punch in the mouth, that, that defensive touchdown happened, all of a sudden it was vintage Chiefs offense. It was almost 2018 Chiefs offense with big plays, with effective runs, uh, with a nice mix uh, in the play calling, and really just that explosive ability being back. Hell, they even got a long pass, a long touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill again, just like they did back in the day. So it, it was good to see that, and it bodes well for the rest of the playoffs, I think. Yeah, we've all known. It seems like Patrick Mahomes is just a different animal in the playoffs. His playoff stats are actually just ridiculous, um, and this might have been his best one yet, his best game. You, you mentioned – how he turned it on, you know, he has 10.4 yards per attempt this game. He has five touchdowns. And I, and I saw this stat and I'm sure everyone's familiar with the stat by now, but the fastest amount of time it took for a, a, a player to score five to, or to throw five touchdowns in a game. And it was like 15 less minutes than the second place guy in, in postseason play. I should say, I think Brady actually had a regular season game, I guess, where he did it quicker somehow. Um, but yeah, I, it was ridiculous, right? It, it was almost it was almost more impressive than the Texans one, in my opinion, because there was five minutes. There was about six or five minutes left in the first in the second quarter, and they still hadn't scored a touchdown. Um, they were about to, right? I think they scored with about five minutes left, but all of a sudden they're up twenty-one-seven at halftime, and before the Steelers can even blink and get the ball back, they're down twenty-eight-seven in that second half. So it was almost more impressive to me, just because. Like, they didn't really need to pour it on like that, I guess, right? Like, the Texans game, you mentioned, the Texans actually scored. You know, they, they needed to come all the way back, score all four or five of those touchdowns. In this game, you know, they could have maybe throttled down after 21-7. You know, we've seen Andy, you know, do that at times in this offense, you know, kind of settle down after getting to a big lead. And, no, they just kept firing, right, and eventually got to 35-7, 42-14. I mean, yeah, that, that was it was great to see the offense not only get back on their horse, look really good, but also just continue on, right, just just – don't let up in the second half when you have a two touchdown lead in the playoffs. Continue to pour it on. I hope they have that mindset for the rest of the playoffs. Absolutely, and, and Patrick Mahomes was outstanding. Like I, there's not there's not a superlative you could throw out there for the way that he played. He was not only efficient; he was deadly deep. He was moving around well. Um, he spread the ball around. I mean, there was this was a, an elite elite game from Patrick Mahomes. It, since I know you're a little bit more of the stat nerd here, Ron. Here's one for you that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Tucker Boynton on uh, on Twitter tweeted out the fact that Patrick Mahomes, when you look at expected points added, so EPA in the playoffs, all-time career EPA added in the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes just passed Peyton Manning and is now fourth all-time uh, behind Brady, Rodgers, and Breeze. <laughs> in total EPA at age 27. I mean, that's, that is ridiculous. All you can do is laugh at that. All you can do is just kind of like giggle maniacally at that because it it's, it is ridiculous. Cause he, he hasn't even like when, when you're talking about a normal quarterback, when you're talking about normal, uh, you know, a career of a quarterback, he still technically hasn't really hit his prime. I mean, you, you expect these quarterbacks to really be the best of their ability at 28, 29 years old, maybe, um, he's still not there. And like you said, I mean, he's already Peyton Manning. I mean, that's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And he's already, you know, apparently is, you know, more efficient in the playoffs than him. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, think, that's ridiculous. Think about the teams that Peyton Manning took to the playoffs and, and, and some of the games he had and, and the long career that he had, I mean, taking multiple yeah. teams, you know, in, into the Super Bowl or into the deep into the playoffs. Like that is a, uh, that's a ridiculous number. Um, again, on a career basis, and, and he got there in, in a really, really quick fashion. There's not too many other players that have had 400 yards and five touchdowns uh, even uh, in the playoffs, uh, and, and I think I think he's number one now all time, 400-yard uh, and, and five touchdown games as well. I think yeah. else. Yeah, the other thing, too, about this offense this game was Jarek McKinnon. Jarek freaking McKinnon coming out. You know, the last guy you would expect, if you're talking about a month ago, if you ask a Chiefs fan about a month ago, who who you'd think would, would be the leading total yards person in a playoff game, a single playoff game, he actually might be the last person you would guess. I think you might guess like a Demarcus Robinson before Jerick McKinnon if you're asking about a month ago. <laughs> and, 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 and then he has probably, in my opinion, the best performance a running back has had this year as a Chiefs running back. 
Uh, it was the second most total yards. He had two less yards than Darrell Williams had in his big game against the Raiders. But when you talk about that game, I mean, Darrell Williams gets that miraculous 40-yard, 50-yard bomb for a touchdown. I think that kind of skews that number a little bit. It's a great play, but the cool thing about McKinnon was just how efficient he was. I mean, on the ground, he's he's averaging five a carry. In the passing game, it's six for six, right? It, it, each target gets completed to him, and he gets 13 yards on you know on each of those kept you know per on average you get the 23 yard gain as his longest he was just super efficient he was getting big chunk gains in in the ground game and the passing game and man he just it's just something about you it's an eye test right and he just looks just a little he has a little more juice maybe you know just a little more um maybe it's just that veteran savvy just kind of having you know being confident in his eyes and being confident in his vision how he's hitting those holes man um we have this running back by committee, and I think they're all they're all deserve to have some touches. And McKinnon all of a sudden looks like maybe the guy that's going to be riding, you know, be, be the hot hand moving forward. Stags, how did you like McKinnon's performance? Yeah, I think hot hand is a good way to put it because we do this, and we've been doing this all season. Uh, Chiefs fans, every time we see a running back perform well, all of a sudden that's the guy from here on out, and everybody else is garbage. Uh, the Chiefs have been very clear that this is a running back by committee. Uh, that they're going to roll with, you know, the hot hand, the healthy player, uh, who, whoever fits the game plan that week. This week it was McKinnon. He was fantastic. He was really good last week as well. And so that was awesome to see. And there were some things that you saw from him that are unique to the rest of this running back group uh, as compared to the rest of this running back group. The way that he explodes through a, the, the whole – through the line of scrimmage, just that speed and quickness and that burst – I think is a little different than what you're seeing from the other guys. And he also had this way of getting skinny. And I threw out this comparison, and maybe this is uh, going too far after just a game and a half of McKinnon being good. But there was a little bit, a little shade of Jamal Charles there in in the way that he got skinny and got through the hole quick uh, and was able to make big plays uh, on the ground and in the passing game. This is an element that this offense has been missing. And it's one of the things that, you know, the 2018 offense was so good because Kareem Hunt uh, was breaking off big chunk plays from the running back position in addition to what Mahomes was doing through the air. That balance is so important, and McKinnon has the opportunity to add some of that balance as we go through the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, and you mentioned 2018. You know, the the running back that ended that year on a roll was Damian Williams, right? And and, you know, shout out Brian Stewart, our guy. He's, he's my film guy at Arrowhead Pride. He made the comparison. I know it, he wasn't the only one, but he was the first one I saw. He was making the comparison before this game that Jerick McKinnon does remind him of Damian Williams. And I agree with him. I, I think there's something about the the veteran, the veteran savvy of a guy like McKinnon in terms of you mentioned him squeezing through holes. And, 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 and I don't think that's something that Clyde does particularly well. I think that's one part of it. But the other part of it was the screen game, man. I, the screens, they were very well designed. So I do think, you know, we, we see Clyde or, or Daryl catch one of those, and they're probably having similar results. But I do think there's something to the timing of these screens. I think McKinnon was really was doing a really good job of, of not releasing until the very last second. It almost looked like it was, it, was, it was too late, right? But I think that's what you want in the screen game. You want the defense to completely sell out at the quarterback and get drop deep in coverage you don't want it to happen quick because then everyone's closer to the line of scrimmage still so i really think that might have been why those screens were able to pop off as much as they did although like i said they were very well designed i mean andy he was he was in his bag today um and we saw some other reasons how he was in his bag with the trick plays but yeah i, I think especially just overall and, and mckinnon as a veteran too i think pass pro he's probably you know he's probably going to be able to do as much as maybe a clyde or, or anybody else can so yeah, I think there's plenty of reason to to see why McKinnon could have a Damian Williams type of playoff run where he does become one of their featured backs in terms of not even maybe just running because maybe when Clyde and Daryl back, they they maybe run the ball more. But I could see him being maybe the main guy to get the ball in space in the receiving game because it really seems like he 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 was feeling himself in terms of in that aspect of the game. Yeah, I definitely want to be clear in the fact that you know, when we've made these uh, these pronouncements that each running back who has a good game is now the guy going forward, I, I don't think that when Clyde is back healthy, and that could be this this coming game, that all of a sudden he's going to be on the bench and McKinnon's going to get every single touch. Like, 
there are things that Clyde does really well that can help this offense uh, be the best version of this offense it can be. McKinnon is a great complement to that and brings something that I think is missing. So there's certainly room for two or three running backs to have good performances. This week, you know, you had Daryl Williams, who probably should have just been inactive. Uh, he he was not quite healthy, came in, got one carry in and ended disastrously with two fumbles on one snap. Um, and, and then he never never saw the ball again the rest of the game. But then, the, so really this was a McKinnon game uh, with his really only his competition uh, being Derek Gore, uh, who also, you know, had three carries and was quite ineffective. So I think he really was the hot hand this week. Uh, doesn't mean he's always going to be that guy, but you're right. You could easily see some playoff heroics going his way uh, if he keeps up what he's doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. No, I really think so. Um, one, we're, we're talking a lot of offense, Stags, and I, I do think we need to maybe talk some defense. Just just real quick, our takeaways on how the defense played, because obviously it was dominant, right? You know, the I mentioned Pittsburgh had, didn't score an offensive touchdown until it really didn't matter. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, I couldn't tell if it really was just Big Ben being Big Ben. That was definitely his retirement party. I mean, golly, I, I don't know how many times he threw it where nobody was. I mean, probably could have had an intentional grounding a few times. Um, yeah, maybe it was more of a wake than a uh, <laughs> retirement party. <laughs> it, it, was, it was rough. It was rough watching that, you know, from, from a guy who's been a championship quarterback. A lot of people think he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, obviously, that's there's a good chance he'll make it. But he had a great start to his career. But, yeah, the Chiefs defense didn't play bad. But some of the plays, it seemed like, you know, decent pass rush, not great. Decent coverage, not great. And the pass was 10 yards short, you know. So it was like if that had been a better pass, you know, you'll see some more Bengals game-like results, right? There's There was some results in that Bengals game where it was good coverage, good pressure and a completed pass this game, that same scenario resulted in a, a laughable incompletion. So uh, <laughs> there, there's a combination of both there, but it, at least it should be a confidence builder for this defense to say, uh, Hey, you know, that we came out in the first round of the playoffs and, and dominated, uh, you know, we don't need to put an asterisk next to it for them. They've got a, a big matchup coming up this week. And I think we'll spend a lot of time talking about the Buffalo uh, the Buffalo Bills and how that matchup looks. Let me squeeze in one more quick takeaway on the offensive side because I can't resist. But when we talk about the fact that every one of these offensive, uh, these running backs have had, you know, success in various times throughout this season, how the screen game looked this week, how effective this offense was as a whole, you have to give some credit to the interior offensive line. Uh, that unit has been downright dominant really all season, but you go back and watch some of those screenplays, those those developing plays down the field, and that the the wall on the interior, the the wall with wheels on it, you know, that's getting down the field. <laughs> uh, Joe Tooney was a was a monster on the on those screens. Trey Smith was Trey Smith. Those guys uh, have been fantastic, and and really, in a game where you saw the tackles struggle a little bit, uh, where they faced a pretty good pass rush well, the best player in the league on the, on the defensive side of the ball this year, uh, had a had a great game. And for all the help that they tried to give Wiley and Brown, they still struggled to contain T.J. Watt. Watt had a phenomenal game. He could have taken over the game, um, you know, even more than, he, than what he did. Luckily, it didn't affect the outcome. But uh, the, the tackle struggled a little bit, but that interior was just was just lights out. Yeah, no, exactly. You're right. I, I failed to mention that how good the interior offensive line was on those screens because as well designed as they were, they were blocked up perfectly. I mean, Tooney, you know, 30 yards downfield leading McKinnon into the, you know, inside the five yard line. Um, yeah. And it's not just that you mentioned, you know, the wall on wheels. Well, that wall sometimes was just staying there. And that's how, you know, Mahomes, th- those edge rushers were, were giving the offensive tackles some business at times, but, and it, and it resulted in some sacks, right? Mahomes was sacked three times. It wasn't a perfect day for Brown or obviously Wiley who had to face Watt the whole time. I mean, you can't ask for him to do much more than he did, 
but the reason that it, it wasn't able to be too much of a disaster and they were able to overcome it was because the interior offensive line was allowing Mahomes to step up and avoid some of those edge rushers at times. So, yeah, big shout out to the offensive line. We're we're seeing the beginning of what will be in a few years, literally the most dominant offensive line in the NFL. If they all are healthy and, and go on the same trajectory, I mean, just imagine a Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey in a couple of years with more, you know, NFL strength on them, you know, a couple more years in the, in the, you know, uh, in the weight room. Man, I can't, I can't imagine what this offensive line is going to look like in a few years. And it, and it was another exciting example of that today or yesterday. Yep. Health continuity talent. I mean, this, this is going to be, it's going to be fun to watch for a while. And that's, that's what they needed to do this off season. Uh, let's talk real quick about the snap counts. There was some interesting uh, takeaways I thought uh, from the snap counts who saw the field, who didn't see the field. Uh, one of them uh, on defense, you know, everybody's favorite linebacker, Willie Gay had only 17 snaps and he had an impact play in those 17 snaps, you know, forcing a fumble that Frank Clark recovered. Uh, but any reason that you could see why Willie Gay's snaps would have been down and uh, Nick Bolton's snaps were up, by the way, he had 57% of the snaps this week as compared to previous weeks. So any reason you can see why Gay's snaps would have been down and Bolton's up? Yeah, that was perplexing to me, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I don't get that. Um, I don't really like that, to be honest with you. Um, I think Willie Gay is the linebacker you want on the field the most out of anybody and you saw exactly why you know he's, he's a playmaker man i think he's the big, best playmaker of the linebacker group even though bolt might be a more sure tackler um, which i do think is true at this point i, I do think gay is going to be the guy that could get you a pick or get you a forced fumble you know anytime and and so him only having 17 snaps is is, is unacceptable to me i don't really because you before it was uh you know for most of the end of the season, it was really Hitchens and Willie Gay in that in those two linebacker sets with Bolton being the guy that was really only coming in on the base sets. Well, they must have switched something up to where maybe it's now Hitchens and Bolton as those two linebackers. And maybe that's because of the matchup. Maybe there's something with the Steelers that they'd rather have a Bolton in there over Gay. Maybe because he's more of a sure tackler and, and they're gonna they know that Najee Harris is gonna be running the ball, I guess. Um, but moving forward, man, they need Willie, especially against the Bills. I think Willie Gay's athleticism is going to be a huge part of maybe hopefully stopping a scrambling Josh Allen because he's going to be tough, but and he's going to be hard to tackle when you get there. But at least Willie Gay, you know, is going to get there. He has the athleticism to do it. Yeah, I, I got to think it was matchup related. And and maybe it's just you're just looking at Ben Roethlisberger and saying he's not going to beat us. And, and let's not let uh, the Steelers run all over the Chiefs. And and by God, they didn't. Uh, 2.8 yards per carry as a team, 56 total yards rushing. Uh, Najee Harris had 29 yards on a 2.4 average. Uh, his long carry on the day was eight yards. So whatever they did in the run game uh, was pretty effective. Obviously, you know, with the way that the game, uh, the Chiefs racked up the score there, they, the Steelers weren't going to be able to run the ball effectively late in the game. But the fact that they were able to be so dominant against the run maybe speaks to that that game plan uh, and and the rise of Nick Bolton. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, it's got to be that because I I think they even recognize what Willie Gay can bring to this defense. I I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, he makes he makes a lot of plays, man. He he really does. I mean, he had two plays earlier this year besides his two interceptions where he jumped the route and it probably should have been a pick if he gets you know if he has good hands on it. Um, which which. Four interceptions, I believe, would have been the league lead for NFL linebackers this year. So, yeah, and, and I called him as a guy that that could emerge as a, as a you know a young guy that emerges into kind of more of a, a perennial player across the league. That start him not playing that much is not going to help that, but he makes that play. He makes that huge play against Najee Harris, and I really think that's why he needs to be on the field more. I think when he's on the field, there's a better chance for the defense to create a turnover. There's some guys who are just uh, have a knack for turnovers in the playoffs, and and one of them uh, I had predicted that Dan Sorensen would have a bigger role uh, because he just seems to have a knack for making big plays in big moments, uh, even if he allows a lot of big plays in other moments. Uh, Sorensen snaps were up to 53% this week. He didn't have the big impact play, uh, but he's his snaps were up. And interestingly, another safety, Armani Watts, saw uh, one of his higher snap counts on defense of the season. He had 13 or 19% of the snaps, uh, which I just thought was notable. I, I don't necessarily, again, think that that's something that's going to carry forward, but uh, just something interesting. And then finally, lastly on the snap counts, I noticed that McCole Hardman and Byron Pringle each had 57% of the snaps at wide receiver. 
And, and if you look at their production and their efficiency and what they bring to the game, it's really like these guys are sharing that wide receiver two role. Uh, each of them does it in a completely different way, uh, but they're, they're starting to be quietly effective. Uh, you know, maybe not so quietly in 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 either of these guys' case, really. But Pringle had another uh, two touchdowns this week. Hardman had a couple of big plays, including a 41-yard reception. Uh, so it's nice to see production down the depth chart after Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey that we've been asking for forever. And and maybe it's not that the Chiefs needed this number two wide receiver to be one guy, but what they really needed was a number of guys to step up uh, in different roles and in different ways to diversify this offense. And, and these guys seem to be getting the job done now. Yeah, you're right. No, you're 100% right. I, I I was worried that, and it still could be something that comes up, you know, obviously against Pittsburgh, it's not as big a deal and it's easier to execute. But, you know, I, I do think you're right. You're on to something in terms of, so Pringle and, and Hardman are, are, are both starters, right? They're both starting receivers in the three receiver sets the Chiefs run. They run 11 personnel, which means one tight end, one running back. You got three receivers. And so Tyreek is the Z receiver. Byron Pringle is the X receiver. And then McCall Hardman is usually the S or the slot receiver. And so we know what Tyreek Hill can do. We know what Travis Kelsey can do. The thing with the X in the slot is that they are two different roles, right? Uh, you know, Pringle is more of a just fundamental, fundamentally sound route runner. You know, he's going to have good can- good hands down, down the field. You know, he's going to be a tougher guy to tackle, I guess, in terms of just being, you know, a stronger guy, right? And then Hardman is more of the finesse guy. You know, he's, he's going to catch a pass and he's got open space he's going to take it right he, he catches more screen passes and reverses jets all that ideally you know in a perfect world you know you have a receiver that can do all of that so you can kind of you know you don't the defense doesn't exactly know what's going to happen but if Andy Reid is going to design those guys to to take advantage of their strengths like he has been doing lately I think Hardman's the best example they really aren't they are really putting Hardman in great positions lately I mean he he, he does not and it's, you know, you can say it's a gadget player kind of thing, which it, it, it kind of is to an extent. But at the same time, like, why not? Why not just put him, you know, why why force him to, to be a pure receiver if he's going to be so good at this role? And then if Pringle is going to be good enough at the X receiver role. Yeah, I, I think you're right on the fact that those two combined their skill sets, if they're both playing well and both doing their skill, their individual skill sets well, it turns into, you know, a Sammy Watkins type of impact in the playoffs um, in terms of just being, you know, Kelsey and Hill aren't going to be able to catch every pass. So I do think that we're on to something there. I think Pringle's really stepped up. We've been calling it, right? I think AP has been calling for Pringle to maybe play over D-Rob for a few years, and I think this is exactly why. He's a more consistent player. He's a guy you can trust more. And, man, was that double move on the goal line sweet. I mean, if they're trusting Pringle to run a route that they literally have not run in the Mahomes era, a red zone goal line fade pretty much. It was a double move, but it ends up as a fade. They trust the Pringle to do that, and they trust Mahomes to, to make that throw to Pringle, and it's a tough catch to make, right? But they trusted him for a reason, man. He's really come on, and and you're right. I think I think I am coming around to if Hardman and Pringle are just really good at what they individually do, it is just as good as having you know a guy that can maybe do all of that stuff at, 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 in the same time. And we might be underselling them a little bit. I mean, those two combined uh, may be better than a wide receiver too, uh, in, in some ways, and. You know, the Chiefs have, have tried to fill that wide receiver two role. Uh, we had a question from Mike at Al's Watch on Twitter. Is the Josh Gordon experiment finally over? Josh Gordon is a guy that can catch that fade pass. He's a guy that can catch a jump ball. Um, but he hasn't really done so yet this year. And, and this week he was inactive. Uh, and coincidentally or not, the offense uh, thrived uh, without Josh Gordon in there. Even Demarcus Robinson had good production this week, four catches for 76 yards. As mentioned, Hardman and Pringle were great. Tyreek Hill was great. Uh, obviously, it was just a great day all around for the for the passing offense. But uh, it seems like, you know, uh, tentatively can say that the Chiefs have decided uh, that they're moving forward without Josh Gordon on the field and filling those roles other ways. Now, is that is that fair to say? It has to be. I mean, he was inactive for this game and they played, they were playing Darius Fountain and Marcus Kemp. You know, Fountain is a guy that you can't, you know, Kemp has a special teams excuse. That's why he's active, right? Um, Fountain doesn't have that excuse. He hasn't been a special teams player really all year. He's really just been riding that practice squad. So 
he really was elevated to be a receiver. And so that's that kind of tells you exactly what you need to know about Gordon. I think they tried, man. You can't fault the Chiefs for trying, but it just didn't work out. He he's he's nowhere near the player he was at one time, and that's okay, right? It's not gonna hurt the Chiefs to to miss on him. I, I don't I think we'll all forget it even happened, uh, you know, by the time by this time next year, right? Yeah, he'll go the way of uh, so many other uh, failed reclamation projects that that we forget about when we talk about all the successes uh, that Veach has had. Uh, there's been a handful of those other Kelvin Benjamins and and uh, <laughs> uh, other projects that just didn't quite work out, which is fine. Le'Veon Bell, I think, could fall in that category. I think there's yep. just some guys that have, you know, they took a swing and and didn't work out. No hard feelings. Let's uh, let's move forward with the guys they have and and hey. The Chiefs are celebrating a wild card victory uh, for the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era because they normally don't have to play this week. Uh, we got a good question from Mullet Man Sports at Mullet Sport underscore Sports dot, uh, dot com on Twitter.com. What celebration was better, Nick Allegretti with its with the team or Tyreek Hill with the pom poms? Uh, what was your which one did you appreciate more this week? There's no question, man. You got to love a big boy touchdown. You got to love a big man, a thick six, as our guy Jeff Schwartz likes to say <laughs> on Twitter, a thick six. Yeah, I love that, man. Allegretti, I, I love Andy because that's just a way to juice up the team, right? It's just a quick, easy way to just get everyone juiced up real quick, get the linemen juiced up. I mean, even if it's not you as a lineman that scores, you get hyped up for, your, for a, another lineman scoring. So you got to go Allegretti, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, Tyreek Hill's done the cheerleader thing before, I feel like. Um, it, Probably. Maybe not to the extent that he did it this week. I did find the video funny when, when Mahomes, Tyreek Hill just kept going with it. Mahomes finally came over and just got him and took him out. To yeah. him out there. I think somebody on Twitter, I, I wish I could give him credit, said that that was the uh, the sober friend at the bar uh, telling him <laughs> when, when it's time to go. I'm like, yeah, that, that's about right. But what I did love about Tyreek Hill this week and specifically about this question, if you remember what happened right before Allegretti's touchdown, Tyreek Hill scored, or so we thought. Uh, his celebration on that touchdown with the acrobatics was was pretty awesome. Uh, he had a, a you know, he enjoyed himself, had his moment, found out that he was he was down at the one yard line. The Chiefs had to run another play to score. But you know what I noticed when Allegretti was celebrating? Who was the first guy and probably the most hyped up guy celebrating with him, bouncing up and down, uh, was Tyreek Hill uh, celebrating for his guy scoring. So just like you said, the big man touchdown gets everybody going. Even the guy who he vultured that touchdown from, uh, good thing the fantasy football season is over. But I was really happy to see that that love from Tyreek and how unselfish he was in, in celebrating with, with Allegretti. So. Uh, it's a landslide. The big guy touchdown, the Allegretti spike uh, wins it, wins the day. Yeah, the, the last thing I'll say on that is just I, I do think there's some genius to it from Andy. Um, you heard Patrick talk about it in terms of it wasn't designed to go to Allegretti. It wasn't this trick play where, you know, they're, they're banking on Allegretti popping open. He was actually the fourth or fifth read on that play. It just happened to be he got all the way to that fourth or fifth read. And it's funny they actually mentioned in practice this week it when they ran it live against the defense. It actually turned out to be the turned out the same way where he had to find Allegretti. So they got a little practice with it. But my main point is that I do think there's some genius to it with Andy. You know, teams are gonna now have to respect that when they bring in that sixth lineman that Allegretti might catch a pass, right? And and so I it could be one of those things where they may not run that same pass ever again, but now every defense that plays them has to somehow, some way, just a little bit respect that Allegretti could be an option to, to catch a touchdown. It's just kind of funny that way. They eventually guarded Joe Valerio. They eventually guarded Mike Vrabel. Eventually, you put it on tape, and, and teams got to prepare for it. So let's take a break. Um, let our, let's hear from our sponsors a little bit. We'll come back with more of your questions. We'll talk more about the Buffalo Bills coming in uh, next weekend with your Twitter questions here on the Out of Structure podcast. So stick with us. Uh, lots of more good stuff after this break. We'll be right back. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last. 
Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom. Thank you for sticking with us on an Out of Structure podcast. After a victory wildcard weekend, we won We won a game on the wildcard for the first time in a while, right, guys? It was kind of weird um, playing on the first weekend of the playoffs. But now we're in a more familiar position, right, Stags? We're back in the divisional round where we've been the last three seasons before this. Every time the Chiefs have won that game, and, and now they're playing the Buffalo Bills in the divisional round, possibly, I, I think it is the best team they've faced in the divisional round in, in that Mahomes era. And so we'll we'll start that preview off a little bit with the, with a good question from Anthony Belisario on Twitter, at Slock88. The Chiefs either start strong or end soft, or start soft and end strong. Which one would be a best against the Bills? Now, that's a great question, um, and he's right, right? It does seem like, you know, they're, they're, we, don't, we haven't seen full four quarters. It's either been, you know, a, a bad start or a bad ending. Um, Stags, what do you feel about this question? How, which one would you prefer to see against the Bills? Man, you, you got to finish strong no matter what. I, I think, especially yeah. in the playoffs, the only time the Chiefs lose games is when the other quarterback has the ball at the end of the game and it's close enough for them for them to win it or close it out, right? So the Chiefs, no matter how slow they start, you saw this week they can turn it on, score in bunches and score quickly, but you want that ball in Mahomes' hands, coming down the stretch, finishing strong. I don't want to see a lot of games uh, where they, they have a good first quarter uh, and then they just watch from the sideline while the other team uh, does their thing. So – I definitely would like to see them finish strong, even if they have to start a little bit soft. Obviously, the best scenario is to start strong, finish strong, uh, but that wasn't one of the options given us. And I will say that they did a little bit of that uh, this season. I, I think there were a couple of games, uh, maybe it was just the Raiders, uh, <laughs> and the fact that they uh, they yeah. dominated throughout in a couple of those games. But uh, you know, this week is is a pretty good template, a pretty good blueprint for this team to to find their stride even if it takes them a little bit uh and then just pour it on finish strong and, and move on to the next round yeah i mentioned the bills being the best team they've faced in that divisional um history the divisional round history in the mahomes era um, that's exactly why you really can't start soft but between these two right you have to pick i'm with you you have to pick ending strong because uh y- yeah you you just have to so that's the problem is that I really am not. I don't want that to happen against the Bills because the Bills are a good enough team to where, yeah, you could start. You could you could do what happened against the Texans a few years ago, right? It could be twenty four nothing, but I don't think the Bills are gonna not score until it's thirty five twenty four in that scenario, right? I, I I think the Bills are a good enough team, especially if you give them a lead, um, to where they're they're not gonna not gonna make it easy on you coming back, um, even if it is seven or ten nothing. I mean, the 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 teams that this team made a comeback against in those 2019 playoffs, just they're not the same, man. I mean, Deshaun Watson is a good, great quarterback or he was um, Bill O'Brien's a terrible coach. And and I, we've proven, I think we've seen that, Oh, you know, a bad coach. Um, 
it's Sean McDermott. It's Josh Allen. I know Josh Allen's volatile, but he's still a really talented quarterback. He's still a guy that, I mean, gosh, we all saw it against the Patriots, man. I mean, he, he shredded the Patriots defense to the tune of one of the greatest offensive performances in, in NFL history, literally scoring on every single possession, um, a touchdown on every possession. So that's why I, I, you really can't start soft, man. I, you can't give the bills an advantage. Cause I really don't, I, they're not going to make it easy on you to come back, man. The bills defense is not going to allow a bunch of big plays. They're not going to be like the Steelers defense. We're not going to see, I really highly doubt we're going to see Tyreek Hill get behind this defense. I, with how their safeties are playing and how they're going to strategize to play the chiefs. Like they did the first time, not blitz soft zones, force you to go underneath. That's exactly what we're going to see, man. And so it's not, they're not, I don't, I really don't think they're going to have the capabilities to get, to come back as quickly as they have, like in, in the Steelers game or in other games against the bills. I really think they, they can't put themselves in a hole like that. Um, but like you said, if you're picking one or the other, you have to say in strong. So we'll, of course, we'll yeah. they finish strong. I mean, there, there are some good signs from this game and some things that you can think about. This chiefs team has, has been battle tested. They've been down, they come back. They, they have that confidence that, uh, they're never out of a game. And so you, you feel pretty good about their ability to come back if they have to. You just obviously would rather them not have to come back if they can avoid it, especially against a, a, a better team like the Buffalo Bills. So, uh, Mikkel, uh I'm going to butcher this last name, Targarin uh, at M3DMAN3 on Twitter. Uh, this is a Bills fan. This is a Bills fan here. Respect the hell out of the Kansas City organization from top to bottom. My only question is, how excited are you for this rivalry? I mean, this could this is going to go on for at least a decade. It could be seriously epic. Do you see the Bills as a big rivalry for the Chiefs going forward long term? I do think there's a possibility. And if the Chiefs lose this game coming up, I mean, it's absolutely on. I mean, this, that is the rivalry. Because that's the thing in this AFC supremacy so far with, with the Chiefs with the, in the Mahomes era they have not lost to another AFC Titan when it matters, right? They haven't – the only time they've lost in the Mahomes era was the Patriots game, and Tom Brady's not even in the conference anymore. So the only guy you've lost to in the AFC is not even an AFC quarterback anymore. I, I think that's why we we have struggled to really set down – you know, we want to talk about Burrow and the Bengals, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Like, we still haven't set – you know, Herbert and the Chargers is probably the most obvious one because they're in the same division, but – there doesn't seem to be a set team that we, we are head to head against in terms of AFC supremacy because the chiefs have been so good and, and, and obviously reigned in the AFC all of a sudden that changes though. If the bills win this weekend, which, you know, I obviously they have a great chance. I mean, I, I it's going to be a really good game. It, it's going to be a toss up, man. I really, I, you know, you obviously, you know, you can be confident as a chiefs fan. There's no doubt about it, but it, this isn't the Steelers again. This isn't, like I said, this isn't the Deshaun Watson Texans. This isn't, you know, Bill O'Brien. This isn't, Ryan Tannehill even. I mean, this is a different monster. So all that to say, I am excited for this rivalry. I, 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 if the Chiefs win this weekend, it's not going to feel like a rivalry, right? Because the Chiefs have beaten the Bills in every important game, you know? So it's, it's not going to feel like a rivalry. But I have, a, I have a feeling, man, if the Bills do, you know, win this game, first of all, they're going to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. I think whoever wins this game is going to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC and so that itself, you know, all the shine's going to get on Josh Allen. All the love's going to get on the Bills, you know, in that point. And then everyone's going to be talking about what's wrong with the Chiefs, right? And so that's going to piss everybody off. It's going to make players, fans, everyone just annoyed all offseason. It's going to turn into a very heated rivalry very quick if the Bills are able to win this game this weekend. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a – it is a team that's built, you know, well – they have a good defense. Uh, Josh Allen uh, has shown glimpses of being a spectacular quarterback. Uh, he's a little bit more inconsistent, and I think there's some uh, there's some question marks still about his game and whether he's he's really amongst the NFL elite quarterbacks. But this is a team that's going to be around a while. They're they're young, they're they're talented, and and uh, uh, pretty well coached as well. So I, I think I think the this. Whether it's a rivalry or not, or just the other kind of big bad team in the AFC that you're going to have to contend with, um, they're going to be around a while. And I got to give you credit when we talked about the playoffs uh, prior to the start of the playoffs. You said you were most worried about the Buffalo Bills. I said I was most worried about the New England Patriots. I definitely picked the Patriots to win that game, and I was clearly wrong about that. Uh, they just the Bills dismantled a really good defense 
uh, in the Patriots and and out uh, outperformed the Bill Belichick team in the postseason, which you know there's something to be said for that. So let's hope that maybe they just peak too soon and uh, <laughs> and you know they they got that out of their system but uh, before next week's uh, game in, in Arrowhead uh, from Fazer at Faz three R on Twitter, who's going to spy Josh Allen? Could it be Anthony Hitchens or Tyron Matthew? Yeah, uh, it should not be either of those two, I would say. Um, it's <laughs> just because he would not be able to keep up with Allen's speed and and Matthew for obvious reasons. I mean, you don't want him trying to tackle Allen one-on-one um, at all, I would say. Um, no offense, Tyron. Love you, Tyron. But uh, I think he would even admit that that's probably not the greatest strategy. So, no, it's a good question, man. I would say Willie Gay um, off the top of my head. Um, I, I do think... I could see them, and this is going to really hurt the ears of some Chiefs fans, I could see them in the dime packages trusting Sorensen to do that, um, chasing Allen around. <laughs> uh, for, for you for you non-viewers, uh, you can see Staggs, uh, you know, or you can't see Staggs putting his face in his palm. But I, I can see that being the case. But, no, overall, I would, I would really like to see Willie Gay do it. Willie Gay's got the athleticism. Plus, he is a linebacker, so he should be able to, at some, you know, to some extent, you know, match up physicality wise with Allen, but that's the problem, man. Allen is like Cam Newton's size. I mean, he's a huge dude. He's 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 really hard to tackle, and th- I don't think the game's supposed to be super cold. So that's actually, I think, a good thing. Um, because I was gonna say, man, if it's a cold weather game, you don't want to be hitting Allen too hard, man. That's you're, oh man, that is that's gonna hurt sometimes. So uh, hopefully, it's not too cold of a game. Um, but all that to say, man, it, I, I do think. It should be Willie Gay. He's the one that fits the profile the most to be able to do it. But there could be some mix-ups like a Neiman or Sorensen kind of in those positions. And, man, I – no one spags, man. He's going to trust his guys to get it done, and that could be the difference between a win or a loss, honestly. It's an interesting question when you – and the way it's worded is, you know, that there's – the assumption is that the Chiefs will assign a spy to Josh Allen. I'm not sure that they're going to do that. They don't always yeah, do yeah. that. Uh and if you do assign a spy, correct me if I'm wrong, typically it is a it's not one of your core defenders. It is it is more of an ancillary player, somebody who can can focus on that particular role uh and without pulling you know a Tyron Matthew away from his role as a as a robber, is his ability to move around the field. So if you're you're that's why I would argue it may be against Willie Gay, because he has such a big role in this defense. If you take him out of that role and having focused solely on the quarterback, I think you miss some opportunities for him to make plays uh, in, in the rest of the defense. And so I'm going to advocate, as I have for years, in, in my guy, Dorian O'Daniel, being the spy. If they're going to do a spy, why not have it be somebody who doesn't otherwise have a role on the defense, who is a huge tackler and has the speed to do it, and has been successful in very limited action in the past as specifically the quarterback spy. Uh, so if they're going to assign a spy, I'm going to say let's make it Dorian O'Daniel. Yeah, no, you're right. They have used him in that exact role. But you bring up an interesting point, man, because if you're going to have a spy, obviously that takes away from either a pass rusher or a player in coverage. Some teams decide to just, just go three pass rushers and that fourth guy be a spy, right? Other teams decide we'll go four rushers and then take away a coverage defender and have him as a spy. Now you're right. I, you know, where it's not guaranteed Spags even uses one and, and he might not, he might just play a lot of zone, which I think is the way to do it. I think the way the chiefs have been defended all year, that's how we, the Spags needs to defend the bills, not blitz a lot, run a ton of soft zones, force them to get, to be patient and take the underneath stuff. That's what the Patriots problem was. In my opinion, you watch that game, man, they're playing sh- tons of man coverage a ton of man coverage and the receivers are just breaking their guys off and Allen was making great throws like you can't make it that easy on them you have to force Allen to make throws between windows you have to force Allen to like I said be patient go underneath with your passes you know you're not going to have a 20 yard you know outbreaker open because we're playing you know soft zones and taking away the deeper stuff so I think that's the way to do it not have a spy necessarily but it might be a good idea because We've seen the we've seen the Chiefs really struggle against rushing quarterbacks and scrambling quarterbacks, and I know Allen is, is will be using the design run game as well as just being a scrambler, um, and and that could 
that could be an adjustment that you'd hope Spags maybe makes to to show that hey, you know, I understand we've had struggles against this. This is a way that that I think we can counter that and play better against a running quarterback. A guy like Dorian O'Daniel or Willie Gay, just somebody spying could could be could be a good point. So uh, it was a good point by Fazer here that that they could be spying Josh Allen. Well, you mentioned what I was about to bring up is the fact that the Chiefs have struggled in the past uh, in in defending a running quarterback. In that stretch in the early part of this season, when the Chiefs' defense was talked about as being just historically bad, tragically bad, um, they they were bad against the run. But more specifically, if you look at those games, they were bad against running quarterbacks. Even the running backs weren't as effective as the quarterbacks. Uh, and, and I think part of that was the defense maybe playing a little bit undisciplined. Uh, I think they they had some you know, some issues with, with staying in their lanes uh, when it comes to the front seven. Uh, I think maybe had some tackling issues. There's a variety of things that were going wrong at that point uh, that maybe led to that. And so you could make a case to say, all right, if this defense is playing better, they're playing more disciplined, they're more sound against the run, uh, then they shouldn't get eaten alive and there shouldn't be a need to assign a spy. I'm just looking back at like the, the last matchup, the last time these two teams played, Josh Allen led the team in rushing uh, 59 yards on a 5.4 average, scored a touchdown. Uh, he was he was pretty effective there as a rusher. The running backs didn't do a whole lot. Uh, 37 yards for Moss, 25 for Singletary. So there's a there's a case that could be made that, you know, if they can shut down Josh Allen running the ball, they can shut down the rest of the run game and vice versa. But if you also look at last week or this past weekend, Devin Singletary was the guy carrying that that offense on the ground. Uh, he's getting the the lion's share of the of the carries, and so they're going to have to account for him. They're going to have to be sound in the run game overall. It may not just be about Josh Allen running the ball anymore. Yeah, and and you notice from that first start because that's a good point. You know, Allen had some good gains against against the Chiefs defense, but. That was, you know, I think Willie Gay was just getting back. It might have been his first game back. Um, he may or he may not have even played. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. That was also Frank Clark's first game back. Chris Jones, if I remember correctly, did he not play that game? Chris Jones did not play. Charvarius Ward did not play. Yeah. Uh, Dan Sorensen was the full-time starter. Yes. Uh, Willie Gay <laughs> did play, but but wasn't, uh, you know, fully – you know, himself yet. I, I would agree yeah. with that. And I, I was actually just reading a tweet from, from at Lance, the spoken on Twitter, uh, talking about the differences between that first matchup and, and this game. So he pointed out, Chris Jones was out. Ward was out. One uh, Thornhill was backing up Dan Sorensen and not playing very much. Melvin Ingram was still a stealer. The Bills had, still had Traverius white, uh, very, very different teams uh, from that game. To this one, I, I said Tredarius. It's actually Tredavious White, but uh, anyway, the the matchup is going to be a little different this time around. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs' defense at that point was really struggling. That was sort of almost the low point of the season uh, for the Chiefs' defense, and and yeah, a, a lot of things have changed. Uh, we'll see how the the game plan changes uh, from Spagnolo. Yeah, exactly. I would like to see him you know, maybe just change it a little bit um, in terms of well, just don't blitz, man. Just, just, it does seem like Spags just can't help himself a little bit. And it really, it really works against Ben Roethlisberger, right? I mean, blitz all day, man, make, force him to throw those, those long balls. Cause you saw it's not going to work against Josh Allen. It's a different story. Cause not only can he make those throws uh, to the boundary uh, to a guy like Stefan Diggs, who's still one of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, he can also escape those blitzes right and and make a huge play with his feet so yeah i would like to see spags you know not just adjust his game plan a little bit man just just you don't have to do a ton um but let's just because he already plays cover two as a base right he already plays two high safeties as a base defense he's not that, that's something he doesn't have to adjust to do that which i really think is going to be important against the bills but just relax on the blitzing for a little bit let's just you know play more soft zones trust your <clears throat> trust your pass rush to do what it takes a guy like Chris Jones not playing that last game, that's a huge deal, man. I mean, I talked about it over and over, but when it's when a guy when an opposing quarterback doesn't have to see Jones's huge frame 
like in his line of vision as he drops back looking downfield, I think that's a huge advantage whenever you play the Chiefs because Jones, not only is he disruptive, he's just so tall that even when he's not winning, you still have to look over him. And yeah, Allen's a taller quarterback, but yeah, I, I think that's a huge difference. But I, I don't even I, I don't even when I'm concerned about the Bills, I don't look at the last game as, as my point of reference, really. It's just I really think they remind me of the 2019 Chiefs. I just think they're a well-coached team. They have their young star quarterback. They have good players around them. They got to the AFC Championship last year. They failed, right? Just like the 2018 Chiefs did. They come back. They have this vengeance in their mind. Yeah, the season itself wasn't – they didn't dominate the whole season, just like the 2019 Chiefs didn't dominate all season. But right now is when they 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 care the most, right? Right now is, is when it matters the most. And, and I do think the Bills are one of those teams that – they just wanted to get in the playoffs. I don't think they cared enough about the regular season, and it kind of screwed them because they're playing in Arrowhead rather than in Buffalo, right? But it turned. It, this is just where they needed to be. That, this is all that matters to them now. And so, in that sense, I do think the twenty nine they are twenty nineteen Chiefs ish, which scares me because it does feel like there may be a little bit of a team of destiny kind of vibes. And the Chiefs can't win it every year. I, I hate to say it, guys, but the Chiefs can't win it every year. And if there was one year to get slipped up, I do think. Josh Allen, the Bills are kind of primed to be in that position to kind of take advantage of it. But we'll see. I, I just – I'm just putting that out there, man. Ooh. Ron, Bills fan, Bills Bills Mafia, Ron Cobb Jr., uh, make sure you add him on Twitter and tell him about his uh, his Buffalo fandom here. Uh, Dar, <laughs> just giving you our time, Ron. I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I think this is uh, potentially a buzzsaw the Chiefs are heading in, uh, heading up against. And and then what, what do you not want to face in the playoffs? And it's a team uh, that's on a roll, especially offensively. Uh, you know, and, and I think Buffalo was that this week. Um, they're starting to get some some production, uh, you know, from, from guys up and down the roster. Dawson Knox had a big game uh, against New England. He also had a big game against the, the Chiefs earlier in the season. Uh, that's their, their young tight end. Uh, he had – he had 117 yards receiving, including a 53-yarder against the Chiefs earlier this season. He had two touchdowns and 89 yards against the Patriots. Um, so the Chiefs are going to have to be prepared for not only Stephon Diggs, but also for Dawson Knox. Uh, and, and defending the tight end hasn't always been the best strength of the Chiefs defense, Ron. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And and Dawson Knox is my guy. I kind of wanted I, I actually wanted the Chiefs to draft him um, his year he came out. But no, what I was going to add, too, is is that you're right. You mentioned some key names there, but a, a sneaky name that really hasn't been a part of their offense. It, it, he definitely wasn't when they first played the Chiefs was is Isaiah McKenzie, the former Denver Bronco. If you watch that Patriots game, man. He's all of a sudden he was he was a featured receiver of theirs. He was breaking off guys on routes. He looks super fast, super quick. He's going to be a guy that I, I I think the Bills all of a sudden are realizing they have this weapon in and 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 they he wasn't even playing and then Cole Beasley actually got uh, missed a game uh, the first the second Patriots game he missed because of a you know COVID protocol and McKenzie had to step in and I think they realized oh shoot we have something here so they have a lot of weapons man it, it doesn't seem like it because they're not like the Bengals with two high profile names or three high profile names because after Stephon Diggs you're right the names aren't crazy. You know, Emmanuel Sanders is a veteran, you know, uh, Cole Beasley. But I really do think they they just know how to use their weapons so well. And a guy like McKenzie could be an X factor, and he definitely was against the Patriots. So you got to look out for him, too. And Cole, Cole Beasley just needs to look out for COVID. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he already cool. got it. So he's he's good for at least 90 days, right? Isn't that what it is? Uh, low blow there. All right. Um, King Sangre, King underscore S-A-N-G-R-E on Twitter. What's the confidence level for the Chiefs defense uh, against the Bills? I would say I, I'm confident that they will game plan correctly. I'm confident that the Chiefs will be in a good position. It's Allen is just so volatile, man. If he's playing on, I don't know who is stopping them, honestly. I, I you know, I, I, I'm getting this crap all this week probably that, I, you know, I've been I, – I have been, you know, complimenting the Bills a lot. Uh, to be honest with you, and probably don't need to be complimented that much. But my point is just that, you know, we saw the, what Allen can do against the Patriots. I'm not saying that's going to happen against the Chiefs, but you can have the game plan, man. You can have everything set, right? But if Allen plays that well, if he is that on running and passing, 
you just there really isn't a game plan to say, all right, we we got this, right? And it's the same thing with Mahomes. Mahomes has that same elite level where if he's on, man, there's nothing stopping him from from having a great game. So yeah, I I I'm confident that the defense will be in in a good position, a good position to, you know, beat, you know, beat the Bills. But if the Bills offense plays like it can, then it's not gonna matter. It might end up being a shootout because you know, you look at we just talked about this against the Pittsburgh Steelers and the fact that sometimes the defender's in good position and the receiver just makes a play, the quarterback just makes a play. Uh, this this Buffalo offense is probably closer to that Cincinnati offense that we recently saw than the Pittsburgh offense where Roethlisberger's throwing the ball 10, 20 yards short. Uh, Allen's got the arm to get it there and and, and to beat a, a even decent coverage. And so you, I think – I think the key for the Chiefs defense this week is going to be some big plays, some turnovers. Let's see some impact plays from that defense. They're going to get their yards. They're going to score some points. It might be, it might look and feel a little bit more like a shootout. And in that scenario, what do you need? You need the Chiefs defense uh, to turn the ball over, to make a couple of those impact plays. They don't need stops on every drive. They don't need to hold them under 200 yards passing. Uh, what they need to do is get the ball back in Mahomes' hands. Get a, get a handful uh, of game-changing type plays uh, that can shift momentum uh, and and keep them out of the end zone. So even if it's a high-scoring game, you give your offense uh, some extra chances. Yeah, no, it's a great point, Stags. It is. It's all about turnovers. And the first game, if you remember, uh, the Chiefs obviously were, were on the terrible end of that turnover uh, ratio. But late in the game, right, when they still had a chance to come back in it, Allen throws that pick to Rashad Fenton, but the Frank Clark dumb roughing the passer takes it away. But that, but right there is is exactly what could have happened, right? They could have it just one turnover and that game could have flipped right, right there. Right. So I think that's a great point. And, and I think Allen is susceptible to those. I think if he's, he's, he's going to have those throws every once in a while. Now he didn't against the Patriots. I, at least that I don't remember. I don't think he got away with anything. He was just that good, but I do think you do have to feel a little better that that game just happened, right? You don't, you kind of want them to be coming off that game rather than maybe squeaking out against the Patriots and, and kind of showing their toughness more. I'd rather be seeing them after a big game like that because it's hard to see them playing much better than that. I still think, though, if they're playing at least 90% of that, 85% of that, it, it still could be enough, but we'll see. It's going to be a tough matchup, and I think it's it might be a fun one. It might be one of those epic games that we talk about for years, and and two two big quarterbacks uh, uh, that can that can have huge arms can squeeze the ball in there. I think this might be one of those games uh, that that they that is a little bit higher scoring, that is a little bit more uh, epic. I'm going to stick with the Chiefs because I because I think that they've gone through it, they've been battle tested, they've got the uh, you know they've got the experience to say that we're not out of this thing. Uh, at any point in time, no matter how badly things go, uh, you know they've they've been through it all in the past few years. They've been through it all this year with the the struggles they had early in the season uh, and the way that they bounced back. Um, so I, I think I think the Chiefs are still the better team overall. Mahomes is still the better quarterback. Uh, Andy Reid is still the better head coach, and and all of those things add up to a, a Chiefs victory. Again, they've been here before. Uh, they're singularly focused on the Super Bowl as well. Uh, and so I, I think I still feel pretty good about the Chiefs' chances. Uh, obviously, the Bills' performance against the the Patriots is the one thing that gives you pause at this point. Yeah, and that's why I'm trying. I, I don't want anyone to think I'm really being one-game reactionary. That's why I, I want to emphasize that I they remind me of the 2019 Chiefs. So I, I do think they're just they're just a, a – a, a, how's the word? I guess a healthy competitor, I guess. They're, they're the team – you know, they're – they're the team that you have to beat if you really want to truly be, you know, the AFC champions this year. Um, I, I really think that's the case. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a Chiefs fan. I, they're at home, and I do think the fact that the Bills just played their best game, they kind of got the Patriots monkey off their back a little bit. That might have been kind of their Super Bowl to an extent. I will end up picking the Chiefs to win this game. I know I sound like I'm not going to, but it just, it does just, I. I I keep telling myself the Chiefs can't win the Super Bowl every year. They can't go to the Super Bowl every year. Even the greatest dynasties didn't do that. Hell, Tom Brady went 10 years in his prime without winning a Super Bowl. I I think 
th- this Bills team just feels like one of those teams that that could be a worthy adversary in terms of knocking us out and and you know the Chiefs kind of regroup next year and then we come back and revenge yeah. tour and everybody. So yeah, you're 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 jinxing us here, man. This is this is a uh, for the I'm super- reverse jinxing, yeah. Stags. I'm rever- I'm reverse jinxing. If <laughs> helping out by by going the other way. So all right, well. We'll take that, and and I think you know the the takeaway there to be the best, you got to beat the best, right? And and I think the uh, the Chiefs have been the team on top of the AFC the last few years. Buffalo's trying to be that uh, this year. Uh, we'll see on Sunday, five thirty Arrowhead time, uh, Kansas City, Buffalo for the chance to get to that AFC Championship game. Uh, that's the the expectation in the Mahomes era. The Chiefs don't stop until the AFC Championship game or later. And uh, so it's going to be an exciting one. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, looking forward to the, the challenge of playing the Buffalo Bills, as Andy Reid would say. Thank you so much for being with us on the Out of Structure podcast. We appreciate your questions. Keep those coming. Uh, keep listening, rating, and reviewing to all of the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. We'll be here for you throughout this playoff run and into the offseason. Uh, looking forward to a fun one on Sunday. And, again, thanks for spending some of your time with us. Uh, today on the Out of Structure Podcast. Talk to you soon.